When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. WFNY Cornercast brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. Today is June 1st. I'm your Joe, or your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry alongside Mitch. Ethan is off recording a podcast with his other bestest friends. I think we have a uh, episode of the Grievance Room coming out soon. Um, Mitch, you got a little bit longer of a break. You were off last week while Ethan and I were uh, podcasting. Uh, how was your uh, little hiatus that you took? That we well, had? you know, I, I, it hasn't been exactly fun, but um, you know, we're done with. I'm done with first year of med school now, and. Uh, yeah, no, it's a good trade. No, I get eight weeks off to do nothing but podcast about baseball. Fantastic. That's all. That's what we like to hear. We like to I hear. I would say you are also our Joe, not just our host. I, <laughs> <laughs> I am the Joe. Actually, that's yes. not even true. I am not even the Joe G. Because yeah, you are there's another Joe one. G. Yeah. So he was here before me, actually. So, but really? uh, don't forget, uh, guys, we also have breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. Uh, if you guys are looking for Cleveland uh, gear, um, the, there are rumors of the Cavs having a new logo coming out soon. So I'm sure the guys over at Breaking Tea are going to have that covered with uh, some of the new colors and logos. Um, they also have the Guardian stuff right now. They have, like I said, I, like I said before, the Naylor, uh, Josh Naylor shirt. Um, I think it's all the smoke. Is that what it was? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, uh, I like the Jose Ramirez sugar skull uh, myself. I do like that one too. I have the Jose, Jose, Jose. um, And I am, I currently have uh, a fund saving in my digit for the Josh Naylor shirt. So smart. That's that's a smart fan right there. Right. You always got a budget. That's kids, kids listening out there. Budget your money. Yeah. Don't spend it all on frivolous things. Yep. Get your finances in order out there. Get your, get your get your finances in order. Diversify your portfolios. That's correct. Wu Tang will tell you. Yes. Don't just invest in Jose Ramirez shirts. These also are, invest in Stephen Kwan shirts. Diversify your portfolios. Wu Tang will tell you is a joke that is very very niche that not a lot of people are probably going to get. No, what's that a reference to? That's from Chappelle Show. Uh, I was uh, I was like eight. <laughs> you you sold it really well. I very much appreciate your of your ability to uh, to go and sell that joke for me. I I appreciate that. So that's that's what I do. That's what I do. Right. Here. Well, today, as I said, is June first. We had a day game today uh, that we got to watch, and it was a nice uh, four to zero uh, win by the uh, Guardians. Um, we uh, the starting pitcher pitched well, pilky smooth. Uh, Connor with a K. I think actually Connor with a K is probably the better nickname, but I really like Pilky Smooth. Pilky um, Smooth, yeah, I like it. I like Pilky Smooth. Connor um, with a K is not a nickname. It's just Connor with a K. Yeah. <laughs> if you say it really fast, I think it turns into a nickname. But you know, what if what if his nickname is just with a K, like Connor, and then with a K in parentheses in uh in the quotations. One of my favorite like pastimes is to go into uh, baseball reference and pro football reference and basketball reference and check the nicknames of people that no one has ever called them that. I, I, it is something that I've done, but they do it on Rosillo show a lot. Um, yeah. And then we'll go in. Uh, I think my favorite is Jimmy Garoppolo. It has a nickname on his pro football uh, reference that is uh, Prince Ali. I'm mm-hmm. like, there's no one. No one has ever called you Prince, Prince Ali. Ali. Yeah, no, no one has ever called you Prince Ali, Jimmy Garoppolo. I yeah, I, I that is a great pastime, and a related great pastime is looking up like old eighteen eighties baseball player names. That's they're always silly. Like, uh, who is I looking up today? Code Ramsey. 
Toad <laughs> and his rival Smacks McGee exactly. in a single. Smacks McGee. He was one of the greatest, greatest players in Cleveland history. Right. Smacks McGee. Or you just made him up one of the two. Oh, you'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never figure it out. No. But uh, Pilky Smooth, Connor with a K, Connor Pilkington, pitched pretty well today. Went, uh, his, the longest that he's gone in a major league game this year. Five innings, had eight Ks. Um, I kept tweeting in our uh, or messaging in our Discord that he woke up and chose violence this morning. He got five of his six Ks in the first two innings. Um, only two walks. Um, spread out a couple of uh, of hits, but um, obviously gave up no runs. Um, he had a pretty good pitch mix today. He was they they were commenting on the telecast that it was his uh, highest um, velocity readings of the year. He was up near. I know he maxed out at 96 because Hedgie pointed it out um, on the telecast. But uh, did you see anything that was new out of Pilkington that looks like this might be here? And, and when, if and when Savale comes back from his uh, literal pain in the butt. Um, yeah. his, uh, well, first, I have to correct you to honor uh, Pilkington. He actually had eight Ks today. Uh, I, say, I said, what did I said? I said the five of his. I said you five said, of his six in the first two innings. Five of his six, in, but he had eight. Oh, yeah. Good call. <laughs> five of his six outs. I think that's what oh, I was trying to say in my head. Yes, that's yes. what I was trying to say in my head. Five of the six out in the first two innings were Ks. No, but yes, no five he, of looks, he looked You're really good. good today. He was, um, you know, this was definitely his best outing. He got 17 whips, uh, which is, you know, in five innings, and he got. 37% whip percentage. That's really strong. Not a guy that you think of as a guy who's going to get a lot of those, but he really just had the fastball changeup working today. And if you're one of the guys who's like Eli Morgan is still, you know, he still should be a starter, like forget about his bullpen. This was the, the Pilkington game today with argument is fit in, in that was a good case for that argument because he really just threw his fastball and his changeup. And that's all he did. And it really, really worked. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure he benefited some by playing a half less 16 and 33 Royals team. But hey, I mean, you got to beat the bad, you got to beat the bad ones too. Um, it helps when you beat it, the bad ones. If you, when it, you go losing with the to the bad ones, that's when it starts getting you know a little murky in your features. Exactly. And and bring it into the bigger picture a little bit. I think on the. On the Discord, I, someone was saying, oh, it's always nice to beat up on the hapless Royals. And, uh, you know, I, that is true. But, you know, we they didn't beat up on the hapless Tigers the week before. We're looking at, you know, um, this week they lost, they lost two of three to Detroit. Um, two one-run games that were very frustrating. Uh, so just to come out and sweep the Royals, take care of business. Um, you know, some are going to take that for granted, but I think we have to have to enjoy the highs of a sweep, even even yeah, if think, it's the worst team in the league right now. Yeah, I think I think in this year, um, winning helps development as much as anything, um, and, and gets these guys a little bit more. Um, they're they're able to see a little bit more, and and it definitely helps the morale and helps uh, some of those guys that are are younger that they are, you know, that helps the Oscar Gonzalez helps losing obviously helps as well. Cause they get to work on some things, but nice to always have uh, some wins and, and boost the morale, see what's actually working and whatnot. So. Right. Right. I think we, I think uh, one thing that I think baseball nerds kind of do a bad job with um, and that I'm trying to do a better job with myself is, is understanding the value of soft skills in baseball. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's derided in in our circles and i think rightfully low like this idea of like knowing how to win or whatever like that's you know that's we heard that from old timers generations before us like this player is a ball player they know how to win and it's like right that seems i mean that's a i that can be really arbitrary and silly a lot of the times but i think around the margins having a young team um you know this team for lack, you know, I hate to say it, but like they don't really know what they're doing now. You know, like it's they're going against grown men who have been there for years, and and this is the youngest team in the league by far. So losing some frustrating games is 
not a bad thing for this team that we did not expect to compete for the postseason this year. Um, and like you said, winning tough games is, is probably just as good for that development. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, th- I just want to push that a little bit. Like think about yeah, if you are a baseball nerd, if you are the guy who wakes up and, and looks at the fan graphs leaderboards every morning, think about, think about the soft skills. Think about the fact that these are human beings who are playing a sport um, as well as, as, you know, really fun, interesting statistics to look at. You know, these are also, um, you know, they, they need to develop these soft skills as well. That's, right. I'll end it yeah. Yeah, that definitely is a, that's a good point. Um, continuing on new stuff that happened this week, Jose Ramirez was the AL player of the week. Um, I actually did not have his stats up, but I mean, he completely destroyed pretty much everybody and anything that happened. Um, any uh, batting ball events that happened uh, were absolutely annihilated. Um, yeah, over over the last seven days, not including Wednesday game, um, he he um, batted three fifty five hundred eight hundred. He walked in. 23... He got on base half the time that he was up. Yes, he got on base yeah. half the time, and he walked six times, um, but. Two of them were intentional, it looks like. Um, that sounds and right. He, he, homered, he homered twice, and he struck out one time. So kudos to Jose Ramirez. It's crazy because this probably wasn't even his best week or close to his best week this year, but he will take those awards. For sure. Yeah. Um, do you think the um, – we saw a lot of messaging on Indians Twitter about, you know, giving Jose anything Garden. to hit. Um Guardians. Oh, that was weird. That happens. Um, that's a that's a muscle memory. Is what that is. Um, but uh, Guardians Twitter um, that they were you know Royals were stupid for giving him anything to pitch, anything to hit, anything that. Uh, um, and obviously the actual intentional walks happened yesterday, and then um, he had one. He had a homer yesterday, right? And the one at bat that they did give him a chance to hit. He hit a single. Yeah. Was that today or yesterday? Okay. I think you got one or two with two walks yesterday. I have my days conflated. I was not feeling well yesterday, and I might I probably blanked out most of my life. Um, it is okay. But yeah, do you see anything with the? Do you see any kind of changes with the approach? Uh, are we going to see a changes with the approach from opposing pitchers on Jose? Mm-hmm. Are we going to start seeing more intentional walks? Are we going to see? Um, because we're because we're seeing struggling with Straw and Quan a little bit at the top of the lineup, is there any kind of a change that's going to happen with the way that Jose is pitched going forward? Well, so he has been pitched in a, in a very very defensive way this year. Um, I want to start with that. Um, if you look at pitches in the zone uh, as a percentage of total pitches around the league amongst qualified hitters, uh, Jose Ramirez has the 17th uh, pitches in the strike zone. Um, so so he certainly has been pitched around all year. Um, and you compare that to guys like Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan, guys who aren't going to punish pitches in the zone, and they have two of the 10 or so highest pitches in the strike zone as a percentage of total pitches this year. Um, so they already are attacking other guys, and they already are uh, avoiding Jose Ramirez. But as you pointed out, they added the new wrinkle, uh, like Matheny and the Royals did, intentionally walking him in his first two play appearances. I don't see it continuing. And I think today is a good argument why he went 0 for 4 today. And it's like, he is Jose Ramirez. He is the reigning AL player of the week. He is a top five player in the league at worst. And he goes 0 for 4. He He gets out over half the time. So when you intentionally walk him, you are basically saying, we want to let we are you know not even going to give him a chance to get out and uh he is good but he gets out like you probably don't want to just let him not get out automatically right Um, so i I don't see that continuing but i think you had you had a good point you've raised it in the discord when you have a you have a zero percent chance of getting him out if you're walking him 
you have a yeah. 50% chance of getting him out if you're pitching to him over this last week. It's obviously more than 50%, but even over this last week, it was 50. But you have a better than 50% chance of getting him out if you actually pitch to him. Right. And why it's are you like, letting him? Why are you just letting him get on? Exactly. And it's like, he doesn't get himself out. I recognize that. So, like, if you throw him like four tough, close pitches and they are all balls, like, all right, like you tried and that's fine. But it's like, if you just let him on base, it's like, okay, well, this Guardians team isn't like an offensive juggernaut or anything, but, you know, they'll take the free base runners every single time. Right. So right. I, I don't see it. I don't I don't see that continuing um, unless the offense goes into an even worse tailspin. And, you know, from, you know, if everything goes wrong and Jose Ramirez is absolutely still raking, uh, maybe you see it a little more. But no, I just can't. I just the Royals are not known for their uh, tactical genius. Let's just say that. Um, so that's a very nice way of putting that. Yeah, yeah, very, no, between, very tactful way of putting it. Between between Matheny and Yost, um, you know, they're not known for their yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, at the at the same time, I mean, it's a microcosm of the bigger picture, which is they are they are avoiding Jose Ramirez as they absolutely should. And again, over the last week, Jose Ramirez has walked six times and he has struck out one over the last month. Jose Ramirez has a walk percentage of 16.7% and a strikeout percentage of 5.9%. Um, so he, you know, is not getting pitches. And, you know, the offense has had its ups and downs certainly over the last 30 days. Um, but, you know, I, it's been so refreshing overall to watch this team. Uh, compared sure. to the teams in the last couple of years, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I think once once they see you know if you walk uh, Jose Ramirez, one of Josh Naylor, Owen Miller, Andres Jimenez, one of those guys is probably going to beat you. Right. Yeah. Everyday Andres has that has definitely uh, helped step up a little bit when the Owen Millers and Steve Quants have, have trailed off a little bit. There, there seems to be some yeah. guy who's picking back up. So, speaking of guys, how, go ahead. How about All Star Andres? Ooh, All Star Andres. I'll have to get in the get in the canvas and make a new one if that if that does happen. So, uh, let's talk about guys who are not helping right now. Um, two guys are two injury talks. Um, I don't know that we actually discussed much of uh, Fran Mills' ice uh, injury list stint uh, last week. Um, out with a uh, hamstring strain. Um, Francona has mentioned that, it, that this week that it was has been hurting him for a while. He's been trying to get going, and finally they shut him down for a little bit. Um, as of right now, there is no timetable for his return. Um, that could mean, obviously, no timetable is no timetable. That could mean the All-Star break at this point. Um, that's a viable option. It, that gives him a month to get ready, get, to get right in June. Um minus whatever he missed now. Um, with uh, Fran Mill being out, the team is using a rotating DH, using that uh, that spot to give guys pseudo days off. Um, they, I think this whole week they've had Jose, they gave Jose a DH, Naylor a Jose, uh, Naylor a DH spot. Owen Miller, I think, was to, uh, DH today. Um, who, what, uh, what would your plan be to fill Fran Mill's uh, space right now. Oscar Gonzalez, I think, was probably the closest comp to, what, to, to who came up for him. Um, and he's been playing fairly well. We can talk about Oscar later if you want to. Um, I, I have him later on the shift. But uh, where what are you seeing and what do you think they could be doing to fill Fran Mill's spot as the, uh, as the DH? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I think when they traded for Fran Mill a few years ago, you were looking at getting a guy who, you know, had very clear physical tools at the dish. Um, and, you know, a guy under team control for a long time and, and maybe a little undervalued. Um, so, you know, always going to go for value in trades. That said, uh, I think if they had their absolute brothers they would probably have this scenario that you're describing as the dh scenario 
long term where you can give Jose the, Ramirez the musical chairs esque right, right. And, rotating and, day off. And even your even, you know, half the DH maybe goes to a guy who's like a little defensively challenged, like say, you know, Richie Pal- Richie Palacios, um, defensively challenged player. So you you know, you can throw him at DH when no one needs it. No one needs that day off. But Palacios can play left field and you know, we were kind of talking about this in the Discord a little bit. He would the way this team's constructed right now, he'd never need to play infield, but he does have infield experience right. as well. Um, so it is even the defensively challenged on this team, excluding Franmil, can all play multiple positions. Um, so it is nice to be able to mix and match, give guys that uh that half day off only hitting. Um yeah, I'm I'm completely with you there. Um and 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 regarding Franmil and his his timetable, who knows? Because he wasn't just struggling physically; he was clearly struggling mentally too. And while there's no mental IL stint, he had something that physically ailed him. But given that he also had something that mentally ailed him, um, right? It's hard to know what their plans are there. Um, yeah, it's, it's I. At what point do you keep like? How do you keep running him out there if he is? racking up the negative war racking up the strikeouts as a dh right it's just, he's not getting, he's not providing any value with his with his glove he's only providing it with his bat and his bat's not there i remember thinking when when i saw the il stint happen i thought this is the right choice there has to be something wrong physically because there's there seems to be no other you know i mean guys can get yips and when you're a guy like friend mill you know hitting may be the yips because you, all you do is hit, you know, all of a sudden Knobloch can't throw to second, throw the first base and uh, you know, it, it could happen. I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm just saying like it, it was either a, something completely mental or there's some sort of an injury here and he can get back at it where he can work on it in the minors for an undisclosed amount of time, however long he needs it before he can get back and, right. and, and get some of his confidence back by, you know, walloping double A pitching. That's a good point that on his road to recovery, he will get some minor league rehab stints and, and that will be a nice, that will be a nice opportunity to see some hanging curveballs right down the middle and just right. take them 500 feet. Right. Because he's not going to be playing against the rubber, uh, the rubber ducks pitching. Uh, so, you know, we know that right, he's not, right. he, we know he's going to get good, uh, good at bats because he's not play, uh, play, playing the guys on his team. Right, so, he doesn't have to go against the best rotation right. in, in maybe all of minor league baseball. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Um, the other injury news that we had, uh, was, I think it was announced today, uh, James Grinchak is going to start his rehab assignment in uh, AAA Columbus. He is currently on the 60-man DL, D, uh, IL, DL, IL. Um, I'm just having all kinds of brain farts today. Um so his his return would necessitate a forty man roster move. That would mean somebody moving to the sixty themselves, or uh, somebody possibly getting DFA'd, moved off, traded, however it be. Um, if Karinchek is right, and we haven't seen him right since the only arbitrary line, and I, it's it's a little unfair, but since the sticky stuff really got really got banned. That yep. was that was his last effective stint. Um, we haven't seen him right in almost a year now, um, and, and then obviously the injury happened and, and has been ongoing this year. Um, if he is right, who is out of that bullpen mix? Who is your pick to uh, shove off to parts unknown? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question, and and. And it's worth pointing out that like he kind of has found money right now because the bullpen is pretty darn good at the moment. Yeah, they've um, been they've been 
they've been better than they've been better than what I thought they were going to be coming into the year. I I mean I we had talks at the beginning of the year where it was let's hope some of these starters start going seven innings and eight innings because it's gonna we class A was the only guy that we had any kind of trust in. And yeah. now we're now we're you know hoping Eli goes three innings and you know yeah. cr- decrying that Sam Hentges hasn't been in the game all week and all that kind of stuff. So so yeah, no, it's kind of interesting actually. So Cleveland having played the fewest games uh, in Major League Baseball obviously has the fewest innings pitched in Major League Baseball, but if if, if you look at um, the, the the breakdown of starters versus relievers innings pitched, it's kind of describing exactly what you said. Despite the fewest overall innings pitched, Cleveland's rotation uh, amongst starting pitchers has thrown the 16th most innings, so right in the middle of the pack. And the relievers have thrown the fewest innings of any bullpen in Major League Baseball, and that is because the starters have gone long. Uh, so in, a, in, an, in effect, what you're saying is absolutely what happened. Uh, but the interesting wrinkle is that the bullpen also decided to be really good. Um, and part of that might be the fact that they, they have played, have had fewer innings pitched in. The fewer innings you throw, the less you are, the maybe the harder you can throw or the more effective you can be. That's certainly the case. Also, you don't have to go to the underbelly of your bullpen that much if your starters are going into the sixth and seventh inning. So all these things are true. But the long the the this is a much longer way of saying like who do you get rid of? Like this bullpen, I mean, there are some players who have been weaker, but I don't see them as DFA candidates. Just right. to, to be clear, last in terms of innings pitched as a bullpen, they, are, they have the seventh best FIP as a collective unit in Major League Baseball. Um, so that is, that is really, really wonderful to see, especially given the uh, lack of experience coming in. Uh, and let me just read you the eight guys. Uh, and if you can't tell, I am vamping to avoid having to answer this question. Uh A, Shaw, Eli Morgan, Sam Hentress, Chris Steffen, Anthony Ghost, Nick Sandlin, Eniel De Los Santos. Um, it's like Eniel De Los Santos coming into this year. If you gave me those eight names and were like, who are they gonna, who are they gonna dump when Karen Jack comes back? I'd be like Eniel De Los Santos. Like he's right. a, you know, he's a fringe dude. But guess what? Eniel De Los Santos has been killing it lately. He's he's pitched um, himself into a role. He also, absolutely- I don't know. I don't know if you've looked at this, but Eniel De Los Santos and Framiel Reyes look like brothers. I'm just going to show you. Yeah, no, I can absolutely see that. Here's, in my mind, here's, in my mind's eye, I can see that. Yeah, it That's is. Fran Mill. Yeah, that That's is Fran Mill, right? I guessed it right. Yeah, this is for this is Fran Mill. This is great audio, and this is Eniel De Los Santos. Yeah, they look. That's. I mean, you basically. It's it's uh, Payne Beasley. These pictures are the same. You know. It is it is wild, actually. How, how <laughs> that is very that is very weird. But um, anyway, so yeah, so I would have told you, uh, Aniel De Los Santos, um, going in, but he's been great. Uh, so it's hard to let him go. Nick Sandlin's been the worst pitcher in the in the bullpen, and that's not in debate. But it's hard to see them DFAing him. Uh, I can see them optioning him certainly. Anthony Ghost, right? Um, we haven't seen him in a long time. Like so he's... Hmm? Go ahead. No, you're, no, you were talking about ghosts. I was going to say, uh, Sandlin does have three options left. Uh, Trevor Steffen actually has three options left. I believe they're okay now to use the options after the Rule Five. I don't yeah. think that was only after for last year. year. After yeah. a full year, yeah, yeah. So but no, he has three. But, but I mean, Tre- Steffen has been great. Seven's been, you know, I mean, uh, but like you said, Ghost has Ghost hasn't been in the game in almost a week. Yeah. No, Ghost, Ghost basically doesn't pitch anymore, and it's kind of interesting. Um, so I guess I, – I mean, they need – the thing is they need to make a 40-man roster move. If they just had to make a 26-man 20, roster move, you'd send Nick Sandlin down right. probably. Um, but, man, it, maybe they just DFA Kirk McCarty or Johan Ramirez. That, that, you know, that's probably what they do is they DFA one of those dudes. Right. And then they send Sandlin down. That's a good call. Yeah. He, yeah. And he needs to go down. He needs to find that consistent release point because uh, he had the game, uh, the the middle game against Kansas City. Or no, it was the first game against Kansas City where yes. he came in 
after Nick Sam, or, you know, Trevor Steffen had allowed some, some tough luck batted balls. Tie, they, he allowed the Royals to tie up the game, and Sam comes in with a runner on second, nobody out, walks a batter, gets a 1-5-3 double play um, where he fields the ball, throws to Ramirez at third, Ramirez guns the ball across the diamond to get the slow-running player whose name I forget uh, out at first. And then he proceeds to walk two more batters. Right. Um, he could barely throw a strike. He could barely throw a strike. And that's kind of a microcosm of how the season's gone for him. Um, right. Just kind of found just much- kind of found money luck. Yeah, exactly. And it's not gonna last. Um, right. he needs to find that release point. So I'm if I were responsible for making the moves, that's probably what I would DFA, like either McCarty, who probably honestly clears waivers. Well, maybe not, but He's not going to be missed. I can see McCarty being back on the, back in the roster, yeah, and doing the Columbus he could be, he shuffle could, or whatever. He could, get, he could get picked up by like Baltimore. That could or happen. Pittsburgh. That's Pittsburgh. what happens. Yeah, and that and if that happens, that happens. If, it's not the end of the world. But if you're a Cleveland Guardians player, you just be safe. You can always find a spot in Cleve in uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> that Yu is Chang, true. Yu Chang no. uh, approved. Imagine having the job security of a Cleveland baseball player, knowing that Pittsburgh's out there. <laughs> knowing that as soon as you clear waivers, Pittsburgh is right there. <laughs> Not clearing waivers, they gave us cash for they gave the team cash for Yu Jang. Yeah, and we'll take their cash. We sure will. It's not going to be in large bills, but it's we're going to we'll take it. Yeah, um, but no, to to, yeah. to 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 bring Karen Jack back into this conversation. Uh, yeah, who knows what we're getting with that guy. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's a complete wild card. I, I, I do like your I do like your analogy of found money, where you are throwing potentially a, a. I mean, he has been a top ten reliever in the league before. You're possibly adding that to a bullpen. It's as good as any trade trade acquisition trade deadline acquisition, you know, possibly, and correct. or he could be completely garbage and be gone, you know, back in the minors himself. In um in two weeks, you know. Yeah. No, and and the the beauty of the situation is that, as we've alluded to, if you had asked me like, oh, Karen Jack's coming back on June first, I'd be I'd be like, uh, or you know, coming back around June, I'd be like, oh man, the bullpen's probably been hanging on by a thread without him. Like they're probably counting on him to come back, and they're really not. Like right. that's that is why we don't have. That's why this story isn't leading the podcast because his his coming back is about as insignificant of a story as it possibly could have been coming into the season right yeah to, to have to have a guy like Grinchak, it you you're right we would have bled with that news last year yeah have no fear the bullpen has been rough but james karenchak's coming back and now it's like hey the bullpen's been really good and we don't need to count on this very, very, very volatile wild card. Right. Is is Brian Shaw ready to go? Yeah. Well, Brian Shaw. I mean, every every uh, stat loving, Twitter addicted Cleveland fan is probably screaming at their uh, streaming devices right now uh, at us for not saying they should just cut Brian Shaw because that's that's what everyone wants. That was the, I mean, coming in, it, coming in, asking that question, it was Sandlin or Shaw for me. If it was a, I wasn't sure of Sandlin's options, but if it was for the, those were the two that I, you know, would feel okay about exposing Sandlin to, op, to waivers if you needed to. But Brian Shaw, absolutely. Like that's, yeah. I, I, I love Brian Shaw. He, there, he has a role in the bullpen. He, and especially today where he was last two games, he has come in. In mop up duty, pitch an inning, don't burn out guys. You know the games. The games in hand. Don't lose it for us. Go out here, Brian Shaw. That's where he's at right now, and yeah. I'm okay with that. And that's and there yeah. is it. There's a spot for that. There's a role for him in in this team, and that's and I, and I also you were you spoke about you know in intangibles in in such a word you know. Um, soft skills, you have to think that having Brian Shaw in that bullpen has been helping the bullpen you know, adjust and, and become what it has this year. 
I, I, I have no doubt in my mind, or else he wouldn't be here still. Yeah. You know, that that's he he'd be he'd be gone. There's no doubt about it. And like we're talking about a uh you know, a, a manager and a front office that has long valued veteran leadership in, in the clubhouse. And right. even, you know, you think back to you think back to Atchison, you think back to Jason Giambi hitting that walk off home run against the White Sox during right. my sophomore year of college. Uh yeah. Make, I mean does that make you feel old? That makes me feel old. And it wasn't my sophomore year of it wasn't my sophomore year of college, but it does make me feel old to think that it was your sophomore year. Of <laughs> yeah, no, I pretty much everything makes me feel old these days. But um, no, I, I, the, this team is always valued better in leadership, and even they have the youngest uh, they have the youngest team in Major League Baseball, as everyone listening to this podcast probably knows. They have the younger roster than many or most or all AAA teams, depending on who you ask. Um, this is an extremely young team. So, uh, you know, having veteran leadership, having someone's like, you know, the shit's hitting the fan, like who do we turn to? Like who can, who can take it? Who can eat it? Uh, Brian Shaw, Brian Shaw is the guy who you want to come in when you are down by eight runs and need someone to go in or you're right. up by eight runs and you need someone to go in. Right. Uh, you know, who shouldn't be, you know, who shouldn't be the guy who's only coming in those situations. Sam Hentges. Do you want to do you want to do Sam Hentges now? I have him later on in the and we can do. Uh, no, we we can, can, no, that can that can be a taste. That can be a okay. That's, a that's fine. That's a we we have I have two segments in my rundown. I think actually three. We kind of touched on that two month check in, but um, we can do that. We can do that next. So let's let's throw that. Let's throw the two month check in. Um, the season is officially we are. This is June first. We've gone through April. We have gone through May. Um, team is I forgot their record. Gosh, twenty two and twenty four. Twenty two and twenty four, almost five hundred. Um, as you said, the underlying stats. Uh, was it uh, base runs? Yeah, Fangraphs base runs. Fangraphs base runs say that uh, the team should have close to a top ten record, but obviously they're closer to five hundred. Um, as of right now, uh, without scoreboard watching. They, uh, the team is 5.5 games back of Minnesota, just a half game back of uh, the White Sox for that second spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Minnesota's about to lose. Cool. So possibly five. Um, and a, uh, on the season, they have a plus 23 run differential. Speaking to your, to- to your uh, top 10 base runs, you know, um, it would that number, that uh, plus 23 run differential. Fifth in the AL, ninth in Major League Baseball, so right where right where it seems they should be, um, and we we talked about this in our uh, in our pre pod, uh, you know, this team could should be close to five hundred by the end of the year. I think you were saying some of the projections are saying like what is it 78. yeah 77 and 82 or something like that or i don't remember the numbers i don't know math 85 78 84 it, there you go yeah depending on if you like fan graphs or baseball prospectus right um so you know banking in losses that have already happened like these like the detroit series where they lost two hard loss you know hard games by one run games they should have won banking in those even if this team underperforms a little bit and some of the luck changes to where even if they underperform and the luck changes in their favor, they're still close to a 500 team. And, and, and um, you know, I don't think that's where we thought they were going to be. A lot of people thought they were going to be going into the year. Um, this, this is, this is, a, I, I think a, a good team. I think this is a team that with the, some of the expanded playoffs can definitely be looking at a, wild card stint possibly you know at, at least a wild card game yeah. um and, and you know this is uh this is a decent team that's super young as we've mentioned previously to previously tonight and before and uh they're they're coming into their own a little bit and, and i'm excited to see so what do you think yeah. about the team two months in no, coming into the season, uh, our, our buddy Zach Meisel and person I've never met, TJ Zuby over at Selby's Godcast. Zach Meisel, uh, friend of the podcast. Friend, friend of the podcast, Zach Meisel. Friend of the podcast. Person I've never met, TJ Zuby. Uh, 
<laughs> they uh, <laughs> they had the, they had a really interesting question. I think Michael asked it. It was uh, you know which is more likely team finishes in first in the AL Central coming into the season or team finishes in last coming into the coming into the season. Uh, and they both agreed that last was more likely. I think two months into the season, that uh, was not the not what turned out to be accurate um, because you know the Tigers and Royals have both been stinky. And uh, the Guardians have actually looked pretty good. Um, so so I think that is like a good first step. They're probably not going to finish in last. Uh, probably mm-hmm. not even going to finish in fourth. Um, no, I think, yeah, you, 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 you said the thing. Coming, the base runs hasn't updated it, updates overnight. But uh, coming into today, they had a 21 and 24 record. Um, was what 19th in baseball something like that but if you look at their base runs which again strips away all of the context all of the clutchness and just looks at you know how are these players performing what are the raw numbers and what should the team's record be based on those uh cleveland actually is in the top 10 which is awesome uh, that's not to say that they are a top 10 baseball team. It's not to say that players will continue to perform at this high level. Jose Ramirez probably not going to have a Barry Bonds-esque season. Could. I hate to I, – I never want to doubt the guy, uh, but probably not going to have one of the greatest seasons of the last 25 years this season. You mean he's not going to continue to hit 500? I just don't understand. He's going to have 200 RBI on the season. Yeah. Because paces, because paces never change, and paces always keep the same. If that's you are right. on a, if you're on a pace, that's what the the pace means is what you're going to finish with, right? Exactly, that's how it works. Right. That's they should. That's that's why they. I've been petitioning for years for them to only play twenty games and then just multiply everything by eight. Yep, that makes sense. I think that's what they. Yep, do. we yeah. we just sim the seasons. That's what we do. <laughs> we fix baseball here at. Uh, we did it. We yeah. did it. <laughs> Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dino Tripodis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, we've had, the, the, the team has had some performances that are maybe better than, um, you know, anticipated. I doubt Josh Naylor to be a 50% above league average hitter. I doubt. Andres Jimenez is going to continue to be 35% above league average. Um, you know, there are some guys who it's like, okay. At the same time, you got to expect that some of these hard-hit balls for Ahmed Rosario are going to start finding grass and or fans' gloves. And you have to imagine Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan are going to figure out their bad hit woes. So maybe this is a team that's true talent is a little bit above 500. Um Still, you know, they're not a playoff team this year. They're a year away. But this has been about as promising of a start as I could have imagined coming into the season. We we talked about team success before the year. And it's when we said something to the effect of identifying some winners off the roster. And, and I think there are definitely some players out there that have. I think, under, I think we've mentioned before... Um, you know, Andres Jimenez seems to be a guy that if, if this is his baseline, he's absolutely going to be here for years. And you sign him to an extension, and you have this guy there. You have Josh Naylor, who at this point looks to be at least a league average hitter. 
you know, he's doing better. better. Yeah, he's he's probably he's he's doing a lot better. But again, baseline league average hitter, decent. You know, not great, but decent. You know, offense at first, and we haven't seen any any of the young younglings. Um, I've been watching Obi Wan. Uh, any of the younglings from the minors come up? We haven't seen Tyler Freeman. We haven't seen. Gabriel Arias, except for a couple innings, a couple games. Um, haven't seen Brian Rocchio come up. He hasn't even hit AAA yet. Um, so, I mean, you know, we haven't seen any of these guys that uh, we had on our, our hope list to see. Um, but we are getting some answers as to who is here and who is not. And, you know, that's that's what we determined would be a successful season, and we're, we're seeing that. So, yeah, no, even if it's not a... Yeah, even if it's not a playoff team, I think this is a has been a successful season to this point. So, even yeah. the pitching. I mean, it, moving into what I'm, I'm going to talk about, we've seen uh, good starting pitching, uh, especially this last turn through. Uh, but we've seen some guys that have come up. Trevor uh, Tristan McKenzie has absolutely established himself as I think the ace of the team right now. Um, and I, I've said it before, okay. said said it now. Um, I mean, I, it's close. Bieber had a, had one of his best games this last time out. Um, but uh, the the twenty four whiffs uh, game, notwithstanding. But um, Tristan McKenzie, Shane Bieber has, has come around. Cal Quantrill is doing well. Connor with a K, uh, Pilkey Smooth, um, pitched well today. But we are seeing some of these young guys come up. Um, and, and perform in such a way that, you know, they're going to be around for a while. Tristan McKenzie, last time out, seven uh, seven and two-thirds, eight Ks, uh, gave up two earned runs. He has a season whip of 0. 0.86. Um, one of his biggest things was walks coming into the season, and he has barely allowed any in any of his starts. Um, I, I absolutely love watching Tristan Pitch. I said this last week that... Uh, my wife was asking me to put uh, Guardians games on the calendar that I want to watch uh, to make sure that I have uh, time for it. And uh, and Mackenzie starts uh, are the only ones that I designated as much must watch in our house. So yeah, no, um, in terms of must watch television, just Mackenzie is is the only real answer to that question, especially while right. Bieber is looking more good than great. Right. Um, but yeah, no, he is he is just one of the most unique pitchers in baseball. He's an absolute delight to watch. Um, the ball looks practically impossible to hit coming out of his hand. Um, and it's just it's it's a joy to get to watch him. I feel almost similar in a weird way to getting Jose Ramirez. And obviously Jose Ramirez is better than Tristan McKenzie. Um, but in the same way that I just feel lucky that I get to watch Jose Ramirez hit baseballs every day. Like, I feel lucky that one out of every five days I get to see, you know, this, like, alien six-foot, <laughs> 10, 112-pound, like, you know, basically Ant-Man, like, heave the ball, <laughs> uh, you know, basically straight downward at hitters. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it is an absolute delight. You are absolutely correct for putting those, putting the, the McKenzie starts on your calendar. Uh, yeah, and so everyone else pins Velo was up today. I think you alluded to that before yep. during the podcast. Yep. Um, Quandrol after starting the year with lower Velo, it's been back up, not quite to where it was last year, but not the lows that it was. Uh, even Savali, his his velo was up a little bit before he went on the shelf. Uh, the only straggler still, the only real straggler still is Bieber, and it's very concerning. Um, have we have but, we have we moved over to very concerning? Because I I I'm almost going the opposite way where I'm because he's having so he's having success with this new pitch mix where he's going off the fastball and moving to his secondary stuff so much more um, towards almost not secondary, but um, it's just interesting for me because you were one that was Bieber's okay. We'll see where it's coming earlier when I was freaking out. And now I feel like we've, I feel like we've flip-flopped where I'm saying 
he can it, it's it's working and you're saying that you're you're very concerned well it's just concerning because it's now been two months uh and we right. haven't seen we have seen some outings where the velo is up above 90 miles per hour like into the 92 range and somewhere he's like barely sitting 90 right um, and it's june 1st like this is now getting into the point where it's like all right the weather's warming up yes i mean spring training was shortened and you didn't get to the off-season workouts you typically do but we're now two months into the season and it's not the the, 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 i guess i guess the one thing i will say is i am more concerned about the big picture like you know this rotation doesn't have the same ceiling without a dominant beaver on top um so that the big picture is concerning like for next year and beyond um this year i mean yeah i mean he's been good and like if Tristan mckenzie takes a big forward where it's like all right we can count on mckenzie to go out there and be like the dude that we're used to having on this team where it's like all right he can throw a no hitter today not that anyone's thrown a no hitter for cleveland but it has there's always been like a pitcher on this organization right. and oftentimes several pitchers on on this on this roster right. where it's like this guy anytime he goes out there he could throw a no hitter and they don't have that guy right now and um you know if it's if by the end of the season it's mckenzie then maybe i'm a little less worried but but yeah right now this rotation is like full of guys who are like pretty good to good and no one who is just like dominant every day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's weird to think that like the biggest concern going forward right now is pitching. Um, and even then, it's like, all right, well, they do have Daniel Espino. They do have. I was gonna say, there's guys coming. You know, there we we I, I mentioned earlier that you know, the rubber ducks rotation is one of the best in the world right now. Yeah, but yeah, um, no. Daniel Espino, it's like. I don't know that double A hitters could hit if they used like a like a a foot foot wide bat. He could he like could, put it, just like he, still, he could tip his pitches and they're still not hitting it. Right. He he absolutely can do whatever he wants. He can tell them his catcher can tell them uh, crash Davis style. It doesn't matter. They're not they're not touching it. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. I mean, the pitching is the most concerning thing going forward, and there's a realistic chance that in like two years three years that the only pitcher that remains from this current staff is tristan mckenzie and then it's an absolute dominant staff so who knows right who knows what the future holds um but that is i think that is weirdly the biggest area of flux right now all of a sudden the starting rotation yeah yeah and and they've been good lately i mentioned you know i put it in the notes here that uh they haven't been bad they haven't yeah they haven't been they haven't been awful but they um You've been good at the last couple of times out. So um. over, over the last thirty games, uh, the starting rotation has been uh, their their four thirty two ERA, uh, the four oh nine FIP. That uh, uh, that's you know it's like middle of the pack. It's like it's barely middle tier actually. Like it's it's been fine. They've gone a lot of innings, relatively speaking. Um, which has been nice. Right, we mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the weakness of the team is the starting rotation. We have confidence that it'll be fine. Yeah. Right, we're fine. Like, yeah, I, I think end of mid, like third of the season through check-in, um, this team is absolutely in the best shape I possibly could have imagined. They are not a playoff team. But they are a much more fun team than I have to imagine anyone anticipated. Like, yeah. even the most optimistic fans could not have been like, could not have foreseen how fun it has been to watch this baseball team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm sad that there's a day off tomorrow. That's how you know. That's where we're at. Me too. So, um, all right, let's go to. I mean, skip over the last section. We can come back to it because I didn't have much and, and touch on love. We need to. Let's go to the bullpen. Uh, we had teased Hench's, um, Hench's talk. Uh, I think the Dairy Brothers do circle of trust. Um, who are the guys in the bullpen right now that you trust the most? 
Um, I am right now. I feel like Eli Morgan can do no wrong. Um, obviously, Emmanuel Classe is up there as well. Um, despite a little bit of a rough go at, at times, um, but I, I, Classe, uh, Morgan, even De Los Santos is 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 close to, if not in there already. Um, and uh, um, and and Sam Hedges. No, I just want to I just want to quickly uh, talk about something with Emmanuel Classe. I think a lot of people uh, give him a hard time because it's like, oh, he throws so hard. How is he not striking out this many guys? Uh, Emmanuel Classe is an incredibly good relief pitcher. Uh, his ERA and his FIP are both like absolutely top notch. He gets a, even sure. having dropped his uh, ground ball rate. Uh, by 12 percentage points this year, he still gets an obscene amount of grounders. Uh, he's been pretty unlucky this year on batted balls, actually, compared to last year. Um, more things are finding green. Um, he's he's dominant, and it's like people want every time, day in day out, him to to go three up, three down, and that's that's. Not yeah, I think if you're, I think if you're either. going into Class A appearances thinking you're going to see an immaculate inning every time then you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, he's not Josh Hader. He's not Josh right. Hader. Right, right. He is he – he's his own thing. I mean, he is incre- – he's incredibly dominant. What's the what's he the crazy likes. stat of, like, there's only been a certain amount of pitches. Whatever the amount of pitches over 101 miles per hour, he has, like, 300 of the 312 or something like that. Like it, it's something ridiculous, and it yes. goes up every time he pitches. Yeah, if you look at like the number of pitches over 100 miles per hour, like every year, it's like he is double everyone else. It's just right. like so. I I guess I understand why people want him to get more strikeouts, but you know he throws a cutter 75 percent of the time, and uh, guys can't hit it. So I don't see any reason to change. Right. Uh, the I think the biggest biggest change that needs to happen for Emmanuel Class A is Ahmed Rosario stops playing shortstop. That that is the Ooh. one like mark that, it down five the fifty four fifty two in the podcast we finally mentioned Ahmed's uh defense. Yes. No. The best thing that could happen for Emmanuel Class A is not any changes of his own, but simply that they put best they put forward the best defensive infield against him. I yeah. honestly I'm kind of shocked we haven't seen them like move Jimenez to short and put someone else in at like someone second. else mentioned that on Twitter today. Um, I think it was actually Quincy Wheeler um, mentioned that on on, on and oh, I'll label him a friend of the pod as well. Uh, has not been on yet, but uh, he did mention us in a in a the Twitter stream of of Guardians podcast um, that they made it. They made the move to. Take to to ruin uh, Miles Straw's day off and remove uh, Richie Palacios from the lineup and and move Steve Kwan over to left from the center field that he was playing. And you know they, he said if uh, if they're willing to do that and and take his day off, why are they not putting Clement at second and Jimenez at short and get yeah. uh, get Ahmed out? And that's correct. You know. And why? Why is why is that not a move that's happening? And and you can and we all know the answer is that Ahmed's a veteran, and he's a guy that's a the leader in the clubhouse and all that kind of stuff. But you know, at this point, there there has to be a discussion of uh, soon, if not uh, very soon, about Ahmed's defense and and how it might be affecting some of these pitchers going forward. No doubt, like every hard ground ball every every liner to short you know it's like you're holding your breath and it just feels like two or three times a game it's like oh there's a ball that andres jimenez would have converted into an out that is now a base runner um it's just very frustrating um it has to be frustrating to class a right um so yeah i think that 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 is the answer uh to what class a needs to do differently is play in front of a different shortstop um as far as as the rest of them yeah you have here in 
where's Hentress, Morgan in the Circle of Trust, and Eniel De Los Santos, and all three of those things. If you like, opened up my brain. That's those are the three things I would have wanted to talk about. Those um, are the three brain cells. Yeah, those are the three brain cells. I have one devoted to each of those three pitchers. Um, no, it's been very frustrating with Sam Hentress. He's just like, I don't know what the guy needs to do to play more. And every time I complain about this, I have friends say, oh. What arm does he throw with? He throws with the left arm. You have to save your lefties. It's like, sure. Like yes, but there's lefties. two of them. Yes. The A, there are two of them, and, and, and they're never using the other one. And B, right. so it's like how how much they really need to hold on to their lefties. The other, the other one is a 31-year-old rubber armor who is throwing 100 and easily could go out there whenever he wanted. And the thing you is, know. is like, yes, he's a lefty, but like, when and I'm not saying he's this guy. I'm not saying it. But when they had Andrew Miller, where they like they can't use him because they got to save him for the lefty lefty matchup. It's like no, he's dominant. He can get anyone out, and outs are a premium in Major League Baseball. Hitters are very very good. Like he is one of your best relief pitchers. You need to use him in high leverage situations or at least medium with leverage situations. He has the lowest average leverage of any Cleveland uh, reliever by far, like much lower than Brian Shaw, lower than, much lower than Nick Sandlin, lower than Ghost, lower than De Los Santos. Like, why? Just having him under, just having him lower than Ghost in that is preposterous to me, especially it's, with the, especially with the way that these that they have the roster. And as I said, Ghost is a thirty-one-year-old converted outfielder. Is he really part of your? future when you can be developing hinges into an Andrew Miller-esque weapon out of the bullpen. Hopefully. That'd be great. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> I, I say ask. I say hopefully. I say all these things that give us cover. On, he sh- he uh, shares whatever, so. some physical similarities. Let's say. He does. He uh, and, and, and the pitch mix is also Miller-esque as well. Miller-esque. Yes. Miller-esque. Yeah. So. Okay. No, we have he, he, a, he's, he's Go ahead. Yeah, we have a little bit more time. Yeah, a little bit more time. I wanted to touch on uh, a couple of the the. I have it labeled as the kids are all right, um, and uh, just touching on a couple things. Uh, the OG Oscar Gonzalez. Um, I uh, I commented in our Discord that I I I am rooting for him because I saw him play at uh, at Scrappers, um, quite a, a couple times when I was down here, at the games, because um, it was literally a stone throw from my house. But I remember watching Oscar flail at things. And uh, I mean, he's, he's done amazing. He's, he's out distanced projections when he came up as, as much as anybody. Um, he has a one thirteen max EV on the season, which I think is tops in the uh, tops on the team. Uh, 55% hard hit rate right now. Um, but to me, the biggest number that is, 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 blowing me out of the out of the water for uh Oscar is um 11.1 swing strike rate just in Columbus this year it was a 19.1 I think um so I mean almost 10 points better in the major leagues which you would think would be completely flipped you would think that you have a, a much higher one um almost you know almost double in the majors than the the minors but um in this limited sample obviously we it's been a couple of games he's faced the Tigers and the Royals so you know, a couple uh Royals haven't really pit doesn't have a rotation that strikes fear in anybody. But um Oscar has has looked the part um as much as anybody except for the uh the throwing the ball in the stands. Um he's played pretty good defense in in right field. He had that uh that throw down the line that nailed somebody yesterday. Uh I forget who he got out, but it was uh Benetendi. you know a, yeah he got Benetendi. it's right because he but then he actually didn't even touch the plate, but he nailed him at the uh, nailed him at the at home plate. Um, he's looked he's looked as good as anything. Uh, he's looked the part. Um, it's going to be when he starts playing guys for the second time around, or you know, two weeks in where guys have film on them, and and we start probably seeing that swing strike rate go up, start ballooning. But um, just want to touch yeah. on Oscar there for a second. You have anything on uh, the OG as Andre yeah, Not has called I mean- him. I don't want to, like, I hate being the guy who's like, everyone needs to uh, temper their expectations, but everyone needs to temper their expectations. I mean, we were talking about our non-prospect 
kind of swing at everything power hitter in AAA who was putting up numbers, but like, you know, Kirk McCarty is a is a is a normal AAA pitcher, and Kirk McCarty gets wrecked in the major leagues. You know, it's like it is wanting to put up numbers and have an approach where you swing at everything in AAA. It is another thing to do that in the majors. And to his credit, it does seem like he's come up here and consciously tried to have a different approach: swing at yeah. strikes, look for a pitch. We'll see how long that lasts. I yeah. am cautious i'm guarding my feelings about it right. and and to whatever end it might be as we've mentioned the the soft skills oscar seems to have it everybody mentions right. how he's always smiling um the spongebob walk-up theme is uh, is great um at, at progressive field so the only other guy i want to mention was richie palacios you had mentioned how you know where does he fit does he is there a spot for him in uh you know where he can play second base once a week, something like that. Is he the everyday? Is he the everyday DH while Friend Mill's still out on the uh, on the IL? Because um, I mean, he has a three hundred two batting average on the season so far. Hasn't really hit a whole bunch of power because he only has a three forty nine slugging percentage, but um, he has a five point two swinging strike rate on the season, which is you know, minuscule compared to what guys have this year, especially when you look at uh, Oscar, who, who I mean, we're, we're talking about Oscar Gonzalez having 11.1 swing strike rate. Richie Palacios has a 5.2. So, yeah. I mean, you know, to, to look at those numbers is, is really great. So I just wanted to mention those. Anything on Richie? No, you covered it. Cool. All right. Anything else you got for us tonight? No, no. We're we're at a cool 64 minutes right now. Yep, I'm good with so, that too. So, yeah. all right guys, uh as always we uh love you guys having a, ha- listening to our podcast and and being here with us. Um as my new call off, I'm going to say a steal uh, definitely steal my line from Scrubs. I love you and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Good night everybody. Hello. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.